Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and news from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? This has been uh, another heavy week in the SBC, Amy. We talked about that uh, last month, uh, you know, with the, uh, the news about Frank Page. Uh, and then uh, everything that has happened this week uh, around the seminaries and just uh, Lifeway. I mean, it's just been a very heavy week in general Yeah. in the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, I'm not even sure I have the words to describe how challenging this has been. Uh, but as uh, I think I've said in the past, if uh, if you are listening and you are the type of person that listens to a podcast about the Southern Baptist Convention, um, I'm sure you are feeling the heaviness just as we are. Yes, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about that today. We're going to do things a little bit differently on this week's podcast uh, because uh, it's been a different week, Amy, so we're going to do things differently. Uh, but before we get into that, we do want to thank our sponsor. Uh, located in Louisville, Kentucky, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about gr- undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. Uh, we got a little special treat uh, for our, our listeners uh, from Southern. We got a little permission to play some audio that we're going to talk about a little bit later, uh, but we'll have that later in the episode. Do want to thank those guys for all the support they give us here on the podcast. All right, Amy, the big news this week, Dr. Paige Patterson has been appointed the President Emeritus by the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary trustees following a 13-hour meeting uh, that started Tuesday afternoon and stretched into the wee hours of the morning on Wednesday morning. Yeah, so this was the special called meeting. We reported on this a few weeks ago um, in the wake of just many, many uh, things that were were surfacing. And everyone's been kind of waiting to see what would happen. It began at 1.30 uh, p.m., and ended just after 3 a.m. So, I mean, I don't I don't know how it was with you, um, but I was watching Twitter. Keith was watching Twitter. We would go to sleep and kind of had our phones nearby and uh, would wake up because I wasn't sleeping well. So when I would wake up, I'd pick up and, and look. There was a, a reporter from the Star-Telegram there in Fort Worth. Uh, she was not a Southern yes, Baptist. Sarah. Yeah, Sarah Smith. Got quite a, an education about the Southern Baptist Convention um, as people were giving her tips and, and things. We also got her pizza, by the way. Yes, yes. Just going to throw that out there. Sarah Sarah was there all day long until the wee hours of the morning. Right. And uh, dinner time came. They didn't have dinner for the uh, the media there. And she didn't want to leave, obviously. I mean... That's your post. You got to your post, which right? Which is normal. I mean, a lot of times at, at events, you don't you don't have yeah. food provided for the media, and yeah. usually in a break, the media just leaves and goes and gets it. But because this was uh, the the na- just the nature of the meeting, not knowing how things were going, uh, they're in executive session. Media can't be in there. She wasn't going to leave because she didn't know when it was over. So what was she going to do for dinner? Yeah. So we tweeted out, say, you know, if anybody of I mean, our listeners, and I'm not sure which listener came through. Uh, but if any of our listeners are around, bring Sarah some dinner and somebody brought her a pizza. And even though, you know, she was refusing food, saying, no, I can't, journalistic ethics, somebody just brought a pizza and put it in the room and uh, for her. So uh, so we were, we were glad to, to help her out with that and thankful that one of our listeners took uh, took the initiative there. Yes. Well, she uh, she was there and so just would kind of share things as they were going on or as, you know, a break happened. So we knew it was continuing. Uh, did not know what was happening. And so, you know, I'd just look and we'd see, oh, wow, it's still going. And then 
uh, woke up uh, here. It was just after 4 a.m. because, you know, on Eastern time and it it was done. They had had gotten out of executive session. They were back in general session, which is where they would just announce the decisions that were made, did not go into details about the discussion. Um, but announced decisions that were made and, uh, the, so they, they laid those out. Um, and that was the, the appointment of Dr. Paige Patterson as president emeritus, um, interim president of the seminary, Jeffrey Bingham, pending his acceptance, which since then he has accepted that. He's been the dean of the School of Theology there at Southwestern. Also had a few other things. Jonathan, why don't you cover those that they announced? Uh, that Dr. Patterson would receive a uh, one year salary. And also would have access to live in the Baptist History and Heritage House there on campus as the uh, trustees had planned earlier in 2017. That residence is scheduled to be completed this summer. So uh, that should be available to him this summer. He will stay in Pecan Manor until then. Uh, but uh, Dr. Bingham, you mentioned, is the interim president at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, also with all full rights and privileges that that you know, bestows on him. So he will be the one giving the report this summer at the SBC annual meeting from uh, all indications, unless anything changes between now and then. Right. That's, uh, that's what I'm, I'm expecting. Um, so certainly as we approach the annual meeting and, and we're really close now, I mean, uh, two weeks and I'll be getting on the plane and you, you will be as well. So going into this, it's a very different, uh, annual meeting than we expected. Uh, just in terms of Southwestern's presence. Yes, and uh, there's a lot, still a lot of unanswered questions. Um, we're going to get to a little question and answer segment at the end of the podcast. We we uh, we know a lot of you have questions. We tweeted out, hey, you know, send us our questions, and we'll try to answer them as best we can. Some of them we don't have information on, and we'll be working on, but we'll talk about that later in the show. So uh, that that's pretty much a good recap of everything at Southwestern this week. Um, we will, you know, like you mentioned, there's two weeks left until the convention. There's still a lot of things that have to be sorted out between now and then, uh, or, or could be sorted out. So, uh, we will keep in, uh, in tune with what's going on there around as well as around the rest of the convention. And, um, do want to, uh, remind you to keep in prayers for Dr. Bingham, Dr. Patterson, uh, and all the trustees and faculty, students, everyone associated with, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I think the another thing we need to just keep in mind is this is this is a hard week. Everyone is feeling a lot of different emotions, um, particularly those involved with Southwestern Seminary, students, faculty, staff, trustees, uh, alumni, you know, a lot of people who have connections uh, are really feeling the weight of this. But I think the entire Southern Baptist Convention is is feeling this. And I've seen a lot of different reactions. I've seen some people say, um, I don't think I can do this anymore. I've seen some people, you know, have all this. And, and I think what we do have to remember is, um, as we process this, we, we need to process it together. We need to remember, uh, sort of our collective mission and, uh, that, that this is, this is what we show up for. And this is hard. It, we're having to, we're really having to deal with a lot, but, you know, I'm still hanging in there. I'm ready to do it together with everybody. Uh, so hang on, ready to do it together with everybody, uh, no matter how difficult it is. Yes, exactly. And uh, we will persevere. And uh, just remember where our, our hope lies in our returning and risen Savior. 
Uh, and that's just kind of one of these. This is one of those weeks where it's, it's good to keep that, you know, at the forefront of your mind uh, that one day all will be made new. All right. Other information and news from around the Southern Baptist Convention this week. Other things did happen this week, folks. We promise. Uh, actually, a rather big thing. The SBC ended its relationship with the District of Columbia Baptist Convention. Uh, that was following a 90-day period and uh, allowance for the DCBC to secure the removal of any churches from its fellowship that have demonstrated a faith or practice affirming, approving, or endorsing of homosexual behavior. And uh, the DCBC failed to comply with that. Uh, so they are no longer a cooperative program collecting agency of the Southern Baptist Convention or able to uh, receive contributions from CP entities. So uh, that has changed some things this week in the SBC. Uh, many of those churches, would, uh, if they are you know, giving CP money, which at last check in DCBC is not a lot right. uh, in the grand scheme of things. And the, you know, the $200 million that will be collected this year for national causes, not a lot of that comes from the DBC, DCBC because it's such a small convention. Right. Uh, but those can, you know, affiliate with conventions in either Maryland, Delaware, or Virginia. That's correct. So the, yeah, so there are churches in DC. They can affiliate with other state conventions. Um, so that doesn't mean. Or send their stuff straight on to the EC. Right. I forgot about that. Right. So that doesn't mean that we have no churches in DC. Uh, that just means that churches who are working through the DC convention, um, we do not have a relationship with them anymore uh, with respect to, to how the cooperative program works. Uh, I did, I, I'm not surprised by this. I anticipated this was where it would go. I felt like the 90 day window was really good because it, it did allow them to make a choice. It didn't just have us saying we're, we're cutting it off now. It gave, it gave an opportunity for them to make a decision and, uh, they did. So the, the Baptist press story, which we will have in the show notes kind of lays out exactly how it went down. Uh, some correspondence back and forth, um, between the executive director there and Augie Boto, the interim president of the executive committee. Um, and so there, there was discussion about, you know, a desire for a conference call, sort of the realization that, that wasn't, wasn't going to, going to work. This, this is just where we are. You know, it's amazing. This just shows how things are always changing. Um, when, uh, Keith Harper and I, we, we just released a book, SBC FAQs. That is now out of date. <laughs> it is because there's a question in there that talks about state conventions and it gives, you know, the, the number of state conventions we have, um, which is now different. And there's a chart in the back, which lists all of the conventions and what, uh, they, how they give, like how that the cooperation works at each of those in the DC BC is listed there. And it's, it is amazing. And we knew this. I mean, there, there are details in there that at every year as bylaws maybe change or as state conventions, uh, have different, you know, budgetary decisions in the fall. Uh, we talked with BNH about how some of these details might change and, and our plan for that. Um, but it's pretty incredible that, you know, it, it, it came out and then, but, you know, before three months have gone by, it's already, it's already changed, which doesn't bother me. It actually just shows that we have a, uh, sort of a, a system that is fluid. I mean, there are always things that can be changing. Uh, and it's, it's good that we are continuing to work on and examine these things. But that was a, a thought that I had was, wow, it's already, there's already been a change. Yes, and um, 
I, I will say, Amy, I, I've got the copy of SBC FAQs in my hands. I think the most impressive thing about this, no offense to you, uh, is the appendix. Yeah. Especially appendix two. Mm-hmm. Because append or appendix A, I'm sorry, appendix A, because that is like footnotes for all the SBC annual meeting uh, references or annual references, the 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 books, the references of the books, right? From dating back all the way to 1845. Hey, <laughs> so, now wait a minute. You just said no offense to me. No, I will. I will take credit oh, you'll take for that, that because, because I did you, every you single one up? of those. I did. Yes, Woo. I did every single one of those. That was a long day. Yes, I yes. bet it was because I because I what I had to do is I located the exact spot where in the minutes where presidents were elected. Wow! So it's the exact page we use a digital resource, but the exact page in the minutes um, to verify. You know, this is the moment oh. that the president was elected. And speaking of your Baptist history work, this is something that we haven't really talked about on the podcast. I forgot about it, mm-hmm. but you are an award winning Baptist historian. Oh, stop! Stop. Um, they. I got, is that untrue? I I'm not an award-winning Baptist historian. Did you win an I, award? I won an award. And a was it for Baptist, award. I won a student award. And was it for award. Baptist history? I yes, I won a. So you're an award-winning Baptist, Baptist historian. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I'm an award-winning history student. I don't think uh, yeah. that's that doesn't sound very good though. Mine sounds well, better. But congratulations, Amy. Just want to congratulate you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You you won the award for like the best uh, term paper or something in Baptist history class or something. That that was how that yeah. So so award winning Baptist historian Amy Carter Whitfield. Thank you. All right, we got a couple other uh, one other story, uh, just kind of an update actually to a story that we covered a few weeks ago with uh, Mac Brunson stepping down at First Baptist Jacksonville. He has been elected the pastor of Valleydale Church in Birmingham, Alabama, just three weeks after he resigned down in Jacksonville. Uh, he preaches his first sermon on July 22nd. I, I had heard that that Valleydale was where he would be going. I can't even remember where I heard that. From me, probably. It could have been, but I, I heard maybe from some other people as well, because I think Keith had heard that. But this is actually official. He had... Um, he preached in view of a call. They elected him in a business meeting, and he will begin there with his first sermon as pastor on July 22nd. All right, and finally, Amy, uh, we got a couple of things to, to highlight here, not really news-related, but just a couple of links that we want to highlight. There is a article in Baptist Press from Jason Dusing. It's a first-person article uh, asking for prayer for Southern Baptist resolutions. We tweeted out this article earlier in the week. Uh, with our unofficial tally of, I think, 637 or 623. Unofficial um, tally. That's, resolutions. Yeah. Yeah. That's your, like, there must be 600 of these. There's a lot yes. of resolutions. And, and people thought we were serious, which was the funny part. Uh, 627, I think, was the unofficial tally. Uh, I just looked that up. And, and people thought we were serious. Folks, that was a joke. It's hyperbole. People thought we were serious. He runs the Twitter account, folks. I don't even have the keys to that. Okay. That that's true. That's true. That's me. Uh, so yeah, we were being a little fun, having a little fun with that. But in all serious, we we have seen a, a spike in interest in resolutions yes. this year. Um, so uh, yes, yeah, so check that out. Pray for Doctor Deucing and the uh, the rest of the team. Uh, we were again, you know, we we're blessed to have him on the podcast. He's a great friend of the pod, and um, we we uh, encourage you to to continue to pray for them and everybody really related to the annual meeting. There's a lot of work that goes on in that. I know, Amy, you're busy as well, just as an assistant parliamentarian. Right. 
in your lowly role that you have. No, I'm kidding. It's not lowly. It's very important. Um, but th- I mean, even that, I mean, there's a lot to get ready right. for. So, uh, a lot of people, a lot, it takes a lot of moving. There's a lot of moving parts in the annual meeting. So, uh, pray for them. And then also we wanted to, to highlight one more article on the SBC exhibits to, that are featuring dialogues and, and different things. So there's a, a great little recap of a lot of the things going on at the SBC exhibits, including the CP stage, which will feature Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe uh, prominently. Can I say prominently? No, you can't. Okay, it won't because it's not. We're just in the we're just we got in like the rotation. Four of these things to to do. We're, yeah, it's true. It's I'm a not doing four of them. I'm doing two. I, I'm doing four of them. So I, I've got four of them. Yes. Uh, but so yeah. So it, it will feature Amy prominently, and it'll also feature me. Um, so there's information about that. I think you can find the full schedule at talkcp.com for the CP stage. Uh, some good discussions. It's going to be a fun time had by all. I'm sure, uh, we're prepping for that, getting those questions ready to go on, uh, several of the, uh, the fronts. Uh, the ones that we're handling are on pastors and engaging, uh, younger pastors in podcasting on abuse in the church, on Calvinism in the SBC and on send Puerto Rico. Uh, I'll be doing the Calvinism and Sin Puerto Rico ones solo uh, with some uh, guests, and Amy will be joining me for the other two. Uh, and we're really looking forward it's to those. Be good. So there's a lot of great, lot of great discussions, not just the ones by us. Uh, probably a lot greater discussions are the ones not by us. So correct. Um, check those out as well. Talkcp.com for all the information on that, as well as the links provided in the show notes. All right. At this point in the program, we uh, we mentioned that we wanted to ha- we had a little. Uh, we had something special for you. There was an article this week by Dr. Albert Moeller, the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary up in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, the article was entitled, The Wrath of God Poured Out, The Humiliation of the Southern Baptist Convention. It was included in Thursday's issue of The Briefing, his daily audio program. And uh, they were kind enough to share that audio with us and give us permission to run that in its entirety here on the podcast this week. We encourage you to check out the article as well. But uh, here is Dr. Moeller on this week's events in the SBC. The last few weeks have been excruciating for my denomination and for the larger evangelical movement. It is as if bombs are dropping and God alone knows how many will fall and where they will land. America's largest evangelical denomination has been in the headlines day after day. The SBC is in the midst of what has to be described as its own horrifying Me Too moment. At one of our seminaries, controversy is centered on a president, now former president, whose sermon illustration from years ago included advice that a battered wife remain in the home and in the marriage in the hope of the conversion of her abusive husband. Other comments represented the objectification of a teenage girl. The issues only grew more urgent with the sense that the dated comments represented ongoing advice and counsel. But the issues are actually far deeper and wider. Sexual misconduct is as old as sin. But the avalanche of sexual misconduct that has come to light in recent weeks is almost too much to bear. These grievous revelations of sin have occurred in churches, in denominational ministries, and even in our seminaries. We thought this was a Roman Catholic problem. The unbiblical requirement of priestly celibacy and the organized conspiracy of silence within the hierarchy helped to explain the cesspool of child sex abuse that has robbed the Roman Catholic Church of so much of its moral authority. When people said that evangelicals had a similar crisis coming, it didn't seem plausible, even to me. I have been president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary for 25 years. I didn't see this coming. I was wrong. The judgment of God has come. Judgment has now come to the house of the Southern Baptist Convention. The terrible swift sword of public humiliation has come with a vengeance. There can be no doubt that this story is not yet over. 
We cannot blame a requirement of priestly celibacy. We can't even point to an organized conspiracy of silence within the denominational hierarchy. No, our humiliation comes as the result of an unorganized conspiracy of silence. Sadly, the unorganized nature of our problem may make recovery and correction even more difficult and the silence even more dangerous. Is the problem theological? Has the conservative resurgence of the Southern Baptist Convention come to this? Is this what thousands of Southern Baptists were hoping for when they worked so hard to see this denomination returned to its theological convictions, its seminaries returned to teaching the inerrancy of the Holy Scriptures, its ministry solidly established on the gospel of Jesus Christ? Did we win confessional integrity only to sacrifice our moral integrity? This is exactly what some of those who opposed the conservative resurgence warned would happen. They claimed that the effort to recover the denomination theologically was just a disguised move to capture the denomination for a new set of power-hungry leaders. I know that this was not true. I must insist that this was not true. But it sure looks like their prophecies had some merit after all. As I recently said with lament to a longtime leader among the more liberal faction that left the Southern Baptist Convention, each side has become the fulfillment of what the other side warned. The liberals who left kept marching to the left in theology and moral teaching. The SBC, solidly conservative theologically, has been revealed to be morally compromised. Among the issue of hottest theological debate was the role of women in the home and in the church. The SBC has affirmed complementarianism, the belief that the Bible reveals that men and women are equally made in God's image but that men and women were also created to be complements to each other, men and women bearing distinct and different roles. This means obeying the Bible's very clear teachings on male leadership in the home and in the church. By the year 2000, complementarian teachings were formally included within the Baptist faith and message, the denomination's confession of faith. Is complementarianism the problem? Is it just camouflage for abusive males and permission for the abuse and mistreatment of women? We can see how that argument would seem plausible to so many looking to conservative evangelicals and wondering if we have gone mad. But the same Bible that reveals the complementarian pattern of male leadership in the home and in the church also reveals God's steadfast and unyielding concern for the abused, the threatened, the suffering, and the fearful. There is no excuse whatsoever for abuse of any form, verbal, emotional, physical, spiritual, or sexual. The Bible warns so clearly of those who would abuse power and weaponize authority. Every Christian church and every pastor and every church member must be ready to protect any of God's children threatened by abuse and must hold every abuser fully accountable. The church and any institution or ministry serving the church must be ready to assure safety and support to any woman or child or vulnerable one threatened by abuse. The church must make every appropriate call to law enforcement and recognize the rightful God-ordained responsibility of civil government to protect, to investigate, and to prosecute. A church, denomination, or Christian ministry must look outside of itself when confronted with a pattern of mishandling such responsibilities or merely of being charged with such a pattern. We cannot vindicate ourselves. That is the advice I have given consistently for many years. I now must make this judgment a matter of public commitment. I believe that any public accusation concerning such a pattern requires an independent third-party investigation. In making this judgment, I make public what I want to be held to do, should God forbid such a responsibility arise.
I believe that the pattern of God's pleasure and design in the family and in the church is essential to human flourishing. I believe that the Bible is the inerrant and infallible, verbally inspired Word of God. I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the great good news that any sinner who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. I believe that theology rooted unapologetically in Scripture is the only sure foundation for the home, the church, and the Christian life. And I also believe that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You hear that, of course, as Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. Where this fruit is not present and visible, Christ is not present. The Me Too moment has come to American evangelicals. This moment has come to some of my friends and brothers in Christ. This moment has come to me, and I am called to deal with it as a Christian, as a minister of the gospel, as a seminary and college president, and as a public leader. I pray that I will lead rightly. In Romans 1, verse 18, we are told, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. This is just a foretaste of the wrath of God poured out. This moment requires the very best of us. The Southern Baptist Convention is on trial, and our public credibility is at stake, and beyond that, the credibility of evangelical Christianity. May God have mercy on us all. We're very appreciative to Southern Seminary for letting us play that. Um, I saw a lot of people this week passing around the article just to take it in and uh, just to hear, you know, Dr. Mueller's voice read this uh, is also is just very thought provoking. So I think I think we do well to just let all of this sink in. Uh, We're in a really uh, difficult time right now. And as hard as it is to experience it. Uh, as much as we want to kind of run from it and figure out a way to just let's get back to a, an easy <laughs> um, time, I, I think we're going to have to live in this. And I think we're going to have to ask, uh, what's going on here? What does this mean? Uh, what do we need to change? And um, as a female in the Southern Baptist Convention, re- I, the the pain of all of this is not, uh, I, I'm not immune from that. This is really difficult stuff to talk about. But I also am grateful for some of the uh, things that people are saying. I really appreciated Dr. Mueller's words, and I'm just taking them in. Well said, Amy. Again, like you said, we really appreciate them giving us permission to use that audio with uh, Colby Adams and everybody in Dr. Mueller's office. Thank you guys so much for that. And uh, Dr. Moeller, thank you for writing that. Uh, one of the most heartfelt things I've ever read by him. Uh, it, it was it was really, really touching, poignant, and, uh, and timely from Dr. Moeller. And uh, we appreciate his leadership at Southern and beyond. With that, we're not going to do a history moment or the resources. We, we're going to do, you know, we're doing things a little bit differently this week because uh, it's such a different week in the SBC. Right. Instead, we, uh, we have uh, some listener questions we wanted to, to get to. And they really revolve around a few themes, um, mostly you know dealing with uh, what's going on at Southwestern. There was a question, uh, Lathan Montgomery, who was a PhD student and chef uh, that was uh, released from his duties as a chef at uh, Southwestern uh, following the, the initial information that came out at Southwestern. And uh, we don't have an update on that. So uh, there was a, a part of the story where they uh, the trustees found that there was nothing in his uh, history to indicate that uh, he was a problem employee. 
I believe that was maybe to clear up some statements in the press. Yes, uh, to the Washington Post, yes. So that that's done. We do not have an update on that. We will we will ask about uh, his update. I, I knew that he was not seeking his job back. He made that clear on uh, social media as well. But we do not know the details of everything involving Nathan Montgomery and his Ph.D. student status. So uh, we'll check on that. There's another question. Um, Amy is the theologian in residence and, and actually really just everything dealing with Dr. Patterson's emeritus status right. going forward. Is it funded by CP dollars? That is not public information at this time. Uh, that's something that like this, we will continue to uh, we will ask the new administration at Southwestern and get a question into Dr. Bingham uh, and see if he can provide any insight into that. But uh, that's just things that we don't know. Um, the the bigger question, I think, and we got this one DM to us and, and uh, a couple of people as well tweeted. Is there anything that the messengers at the SBC can do uh in light of this, uh, maybe they are either in support of Dr. Patterson and wanting back as president, or they have different, uh, or they have another perspective on the the situation. So, Amy, I'm going to let you handle that because that that's getting into parliamentary rule. Yeah, and you are our, our resident expert on that. Right. So, when it's time to to make motions on the floor, uh, any motion that is directing a board of trustees to do something or is directing an entity to do something is that's out of order. That's not how uh, we work. The messengers cannot direct. They can make a motion. I move that um, this entity consider this or, you know, whatever. So just to be clear, I mean, they cannot make a motion that says we would, you know, I make a motion that Dr. Patterson be reinstated or Correct. that Dr. Patterson be released or whatever it may be. Right. They, they, cannot. they can't tell the entity to do that. Right, because that's that that's part of our system that the boards um, are the ones who who govern the entities. And so the way and the way that the messengers are involved in that is how the trustees are chosen and appointed and different um, how the trustees are chosen and nominated, elected. You know, that's that's how we are involved in that. Um, but, you know, in motions, people can ask, you know, can ask entities to do things, you know, and the boards then come back. Uh, but, but remember, when things get referred to an entity, we do not hear about it for another year. So in terms of we're going to move that this entity do this, uh, and we're going to do it today, that's, that's not how it works. Because the trustee boards aren't in session or present or anything Correct. like that. I mean, that, that's just not the process. Correct. So just in sort of watching, and what we have to remember is we it, our system is to let the boards do their work. Now, the other good thing is the boards are accessible to us. People can reach out to them. Their, uh, they, their names are public record through our books of reports. Um, so... It's not that we don't have a way to contact them, but the the messengers on the floor. And one of the reasons for that is because it, with such a large deliberative body, you know, we don't we don't want that power to be able to do things quickly. And I'm just I'm just speaking generally here. We're not talking about any specific situation um, for thousands of people in a room without the ability to think through the details of particular questions and situations. Or to, to know to, all the details. Right, or to know all of the details, to make quick decisions. As a general rule, that's deliberative bodies just do not do that. That's why you have committees and boards and things like that. Well, I mean, you think about it, Amy, it took, it took 13 hours for a group of 30 trustees to make a, 
a, a monumental decision this week. Right. A, a very important decision on the future of their seminary. Right. 13 hours of deliberation, discussion, and a lot of details that none of us may ever know right. what all went into. I, right. I, I cannot imagine <laughs> the the cat herding that would have to go on with a, a group of 10,000 messengers right. in a room. And, uh, I mean, that that is just scary to even try to consider. So we we have a voice in the process in how our trustees are um, elected. We have, you know, we have voices at that point. That's one reason why we need to be diligent about coming to the meeting every year, because what we do in one year has an impact down the road uh, as far as the, the trustees we put in place. That's why it matters that we show up every time. Um, so we have a voice there. We have voices in the fact that we can ask questions of our leaders. Um, we can make motions that will then go to the boards, you know, for them to, to look at the questions and to consider and to respond. And we have the ability to reach out to them, to contact them, to know who they are. So it isn't that we have no voice in the process. But in this particular time, when we have thousands of people coming together, that's not the power of the deliberative body to um, overturn something like that uh, in either direction. So it's a good question. I understand why people would would ask it, um, but that's, you know, the answer. Final question, and this has been asked by a lot of people online, is what about the convention sermon and the... Uh, evangelism task force reports that Dr. Patterson was to give. And at this point, it's just, we don't know. I mean, that that's the best answer that we have. Uh, you know, we're two weeks out and right now we don't know. Uh, we would refer you to Dr. Gaines's statement about the convention sermon that he made right. last week that we covered on last week's um, podcast. Uh, as far as evangelism task force, they have a vice chairman and a chairman. Um, I, I would assume that if the chairman cannot give the report, the vice chairman would. Right. Uh, but, that's that's those are questions we don't have answers to. Right, and those are unrelated to unrelated to yes to the decision of the trustees. You know, the the yes. task force is something different that was appointed by the president um, of the convention. The convention sermon is something different that was uh, nominated by the committee on order of business and voted on by the messengers last year. Um, and as you know, as Doctor Gaines said in his statement, that's not something that he can do anything about. Um, so. It, it and it's not even something the committee can do about it's a it's a something the messengers did last year so if you want to go look at the details again on that uh you, we'll we'll put that in the show notes again yeah just uh, check out episode 158 right. i believe but just but just remembering i mean we all play different roles you know for for me when i go to the sbc um i am there as a part of southeastern seminary i'm a messenger uh, from my church now, I, as as parliamentarian, I don't really uh, get, I don't raise my ballot in the air, you know. But you don't raise it in the air and wave it like you just don't care. Oh, isn't that funny? You you got jokes. No, it wasn't today. funny at all, really. <laughs> but I I serve as a parliamentarian. I'm there doing things for SBC this week. You have a lot of different roles, and same for Dr. Patterson. He you know had, plays a lot of different roles. So this situation that we've been looking at this week is just uh, involves one of those. So the others will have to be considered one at a time. All right. Well, we're like we said, we're two weeks out. Uh, we do want to remind you uh, that we had an interview this week with Dr. Ken Hempel that dropped on Monday, uh, kind of before everything else uh, went 
on over at Southwestern. So go back, check that out if you missed it. Uh, that's episode 159. You can go back and listen to that. It's a fantastic interview. We really appreciate, again, Dr. Hempel giving us the time for that. And uh, next Monday, we will have an interview with Dr. J.D. Greer. So on Memorial Day, while you're grilling out, hanging out at the barbecue, uh, fire that thing up while you're you're sitting in the backyard grilling burgers or whatever you may be doing. Or just listen to it on Tuesday. Or you can just wait till Tuesday and listen to it on your commute in. So right. uh, we'll have that interview with Dr. Greer. But I just like to picture people hanging out at the pool in the backyard with the grill going with us and J.D. Greer in the background, you know. That's I, I, weird. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> what? Let's let's talk about something fun really quick because it's been a heavy week. Uh, what are your plans for the, the holiday weekend? Uh, move. You're moving. Yes, I'm moving. I'm moving from Lebanon, Tennessee to Franklin, Tennessee. Because my wife is now the children's minister at Forest Hills Baptist Church. Fantastic. area, Which I will be a messenger for yes. at the SBC annual meeting. Just throwing that out there, Amy. Uh, so I, I've got messenger status too. And then, uh, so we're, we're moving this weekend. We're, everything is packed at my house. I left my house this morning. We're recording on Thursday. I left my, my current house, which I'm going to miss for the last time today. And, wow. Uh, when I get off of work today, I'm heading, we're staying with some friends tonight and then tomorrow we sign all the papers and go more into debt. And there and, you go. And then <laughs> we we uh we move into our house tomorrow afternoon. So our our stuff should arrive tomorrow afternoon and we'll start unpacking. So yeah. I've got a lot of uh boxes and packing paper in the future uh for my holiday weekend. So my holiday weekend, I bet you'll never guess where I will be. Um so Williamsburg, Virginia. No, but that's a great guess. Um so we had a, a special thing, Keith and Mary, who are big fans of Clemson football, got to go to the Sugar Bowl this uh, this past January, which was a great trip for them. Uh, I do know where you're going because you already yes, told me. I forgot yes, this now. It was a great trip for them. Uh, as Mary Even said, it wasn't, it wasn't a great game, but it was a great trip. So they had a really special time. Um, so we, we also wanted to do something special for Drew. This was in their Christmas stockings. And that is upon us. So Drew and I are headed to Orlando, Florida. And on Saturday, I will be at uh, Megacon, which is the largest comic book convention on the eastern seaboard. So are you going as uh, Catwoman? Are you, are you, do they all like dress up? Are you, you going well, full? I believe people. I believe people do dress up. Um, but I have been given a t-shirt that makes reference to something having to do with, I don't even know who it refers to. I don't know if it has to do with Avengers or, you know, what, um, but it's, um, but it, it's, it's something that Drew had, he had been sent and it was an adult sized t-shirt and he said that way I won't look weird, not you know, fitting in. He said, everybody will know what this t-shirt refers to. So I'm doing that all day Saturday. I will be the mom walking around completely clueless, going wherever my son wants to go, stand in autograph lines, look at stuff, whatever. And then on Sunday and Monday, where he and I are doing two days at Universal Studios. So which I've Harry never Potter been World. to. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of other things. So I'm actually... I've been looking forward to it all week because it's been a tough week and I am ready to go do something fun uh, with my son, who's a cool, cool kid. Um, but I'll, I'll share some pictures. Does your t-shirt say award-winning Baptist historian? It doesn't. It should. I mean, I don't, I don't know how that would 
go over at a comic book convention. But anyway, well, I, I mean, think I'm going to get... look out. I think I'm going to look out a place there anyway. I think everyone's going to say she has no idea what's going on here. But I did see that they have appearances of a lot of people, and uh, cast members from The Princess Bride will be there. And so, oh, I, that'll be I'm, fun. Yeah, so I'm, I, I will. I'll be prepared for that. I'll know them. Probably not Andre the Giant. No, I believe it's the um, the prince and Wesley, okay. um, Carrie Elways, and then the guy, the the Vicini, the not obviously not Andre the Giant and not uh, Indigo Montoya. You kill my father, the, prepare to die. The, but the other guy, inconceivable. Yes, that guy. Yes, he's supposed to be there as well. I don't know if they're on a panel or if they are signing autographs or what, but we'll see. Okay, I'll give That's I'll neat. give a full recap next week. Oh, that. That'll be exciting. I'll share so, my time. Yeah. All right. So check Amy out on Twitter. You have to tweet some pictures, Amy. I will. Okay. A C Wit. A C W H I T. Yep. My one time is, to go uh, to a comic book convention. Check it out. All right. All righty. Uh, well, folks, thank you again for sticking with us uh, through what has been a tough week at the SBC. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Uh, we appreciate again our, our friends at Southern for letting us use the audio from Dr. Muller. And uh, we will keep an eye on things. I hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, check it out Monday, J.D. Greer interview, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>